Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening, saints. How is everybody doing today? Amen. I want to welcome you all to our midweek refill. Thank you all for being here this week. I know you could have been in different places. Thank, thank you all for... Uh, I want to say thank you to all of the regular faces. And I want to especially welcome those also that are joining us. Uh, maybe not quite as regular. Thank you, my sister. It's good to see you. And to my sweetheart. <laughs> this is what we do on Wednesday night. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, I may have to go to Bethlehem tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I truly, truly appreciate my sweetheart. Um, it is because of, <laughs> it, it is because she holds down the home front. That's why I'm able to do what I do. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So this evening, I, um, last week Sunday, on Sunday, we shared our vision. We talked about our vision. We talked about our values. And we talked about the nine commitments that make us who we are as members of this local assembly, members of Workburn. Um, and so this evening, just um, as, as a review, and we're going to just spend some time talk about just, uh, there's one aspect of it that I just wanted to, for us to talk about. Uh, one of the commitments. And that is uh, commitment number three. Uh, let me just see. Just, oh, wow. Praise God. Hallelujah, Brother Owen. Before I even talk about the question, Brother Owen is already there. Eh? Glory to Jesus. I wanted to check and see if anybody remembered what the commitments were. Huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Building strong families. Building strong families. It's commitment number three. Uh, you know, and, and I just wanted us to talk about that this evening. Amen? What, what is it, uh, you know, the reason I wanted to pick this out Oh, I wanted us to just talk about that briefly and then spend time praying about it is because this is, the family is God's unit, God's instrument through which he, through which he purposes to do all that he wants to do here on earth. Amen? Uh, the family is a representation of Christ and the church. It is the place where Godly values are shaped right from the beginning. Um, they're they're learned and also shaped. See, in a family or a typical family, you have a uh, a father, a mother. We know there are different variations of families, but it is in that place, in the place of a family, that we learn the attributes of 
who God is. Where we see how God loves us with the love of a father and the love of a mother. You know, he loves us so much there is nothing that we can do to get outside of his love. It is in that place that the first opinions about God himself are formed. So you see where God's love, his protection, his divine protection, and his divine provision are modeled in the family. A family, you have the parents that, you know, of, that are there protecting the children and also making provision for the children. Um, so you see that, that it is also in, in that place where that is strongly modeled. Amen? So what can we do? We talked on Sunday briefly about the fact that the family is under attack. Why is the family under attack? Why is the devil so uh, intent on destroying families? Because it recognizes what families, what God intends to do through families, and that's how nations, that's how global communities are going to be transformed. It is through strong families. So what can we do? And this is a question. What can we do to protect our families from the tide of the pressures that are trying to uh, crush the family, if you will? How can we build strong family units? And this is an interactive session, okay? It's an interactive session, so feel free to just raise up your hand, ask for the mic, and let's talk. Amen? We just talked about the fact that the family is the representation of Christ and the church, um, and the family is God's instrument through which his purposes on earth are fulfilled. Family is also where divine gifts and callings are identified, nurtured, and developed. Now, the dramatic shifts in the culture and in the definitions of marriage and family today have impacted many people. It wasn't that long ago that marriage was widely seen and accepted and appreciated as an institution that unites a man and a woman. And they're united as a team to share the task of raising children who will be the next generation of leaders. Amen? So bringing children into the world, teaching them, protecting them, providing for them was seen as the primary responsibility or the primary task of parents. Now, the, the, the present society that we live in, we've had a lot of societal shifts from that, from the composition of, of many families. You have, uh, you know, homes where divorces and widows, um, you know, and like we said on Sunday, each and every one of us are included in God's family. God has a place for, for the divorcee. God has a place in the family for the widow. Each and every one are 
included in God's family. Amen? So what does it take to build strong and intact families today? First thing that I have is strong, loving relationships. If you've ever been around Pastor Bank long enough, you'll know this statement. When I say relationship is the currency of the spirit, you'll know that that's one of a bank, Pastor Bank-isms, if you know what I mean by that. It's a popular statement. So he values relationships. And it's not just because he values relationships, but it's because the way to build any kind of growth, the way to build anything at all, or even just as we we're talking about strong family units, is about relationship, strong, loving relationships. What, I'm, what am I talking about? Loving connections between family members are a critical building block of the family. With healthy, committed relationships, the entire family is protected and also strengthened. So when challenges or issues of life arise, as they sometimes will, a strong family will work together to endure or solve the problems. And what is the foundation? The foundation for these strong families? Anybody have an idea of what I'm talking about? Like I said, this is interactive. What is the foundation? Say that again. Christ. Anybody else? The foundation. Love. Love. You're right. Christ. Christ is love. God is love. You're also right. So the part I'm talking about is love. The foundation of a strong family is love. See, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, from verse 4 to 7. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not re delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. See, the Bible describes love as something that is not easily provoked. And as you know, our children are instruments in the hands of God to shape us. Our spouses are instruments in the, house, in the hands of God to shape us, to align us to where God wants us to be. So you know, if you've ever, well, many of us have raised, raised children. Your children will do certain things where you really are pushed to your limits sometimes. Yes. They will do certain things that you're wondering, wait a minute, did I raise this one? 
you know, they will do some of those things where you're pushed to your limits. The Bible says love is not provoked. It keeps, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, when they do something that's wrong, it goes into this automatic delete file. If you've ever had computers and you don't delete files, after a while, you know it, it will run slow. But it goes into an auto-delete mode, whereby as it's done, it is deleted. There is no record of it. When there's no record of it, there is no way you can go back and say, in, uh, in 1997, you, <laughs> you know, you can't get historical. There's no, histor there's no history there. That's who God is. God keeps no record of our wrongs. That's why he says this grace, this grace that he has given us, he has forgiven all of our sins. Sins of the past, the sins of present, even those acts of sin that you yet will do. God has forgiven them. He keeps no record of wrongs. He, 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 love always protects, always trusts, always hopes and always perseveres. The perseverance part, whereby a person just cannot seem to do something that, I don't want to say they can't do something right, you know, but they're not doing the right things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they're not doing the right things, there is a frustration level that tends to build, like, wait, I have been patient, I have explained, I have modeled. I have talked. After a while, you know, sometimes you may just be like, you know what? Yeah, leave this one alone. But that's not God. That's not love. Love always perseveres. See, a loving family shares, they share their dreams, they share their hopes, they share their memories, smiles, they share their frowns, successes, as well as failures. They, a, a loving family, strong loving family, provides shelter from the storm. It's a friendly port when the waves of life becomes too wild. And that's what we're talking about on Sunday. We mentioned that this thing called life is not meant to be done alone. That's a different concept where we're talking about building community, building relationships doing life together. So no member of a strong, loving family should ever need to feel alone. Amen? So strong, loving relationships, which the foundation is love. Amen. Another one is resilience. A strong, loving family is resilient. And a resilient family will bounce back from problems that might tend to shatter other families. Amen? Paul, in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. He says, We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. There is a hope in the grace of God. There is a hope 
that Paul, as well as those Christians of those days, there's a hope that they relied on. They relied on God. They relied on Him for strength and help to endure trials. He says that all of those trials, but they are momentary. Amen? Another one is the power of example. And this power of example talks more about discipleship. You know, modeling. A strong bond among family members can, inc can increase the influence of a positive example. The example that I'm talking about here is seen in 2 Th Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Paul is speaking to Timothy, and he says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. See, Paul saw something that he had seen or observed in Timothy's mother as well as grandmother. Timothy observed or was mentored by this godly woman that poured something into him that now the great apostle Paul sees years later. That says, this same one, this same trait that I saw in your mother as well as your grandmother is also in you. So there is a place for giving and living a life of good example. This is what we do to, bring, to build strong families. Because we are all building blocks of God's kingdom. When those strong families are built, we can say that as Wokfan, as a church, we believe in building strong families. The how... That's what we're talking about. How do we build them? We build them on the basis on love, resilience, recognizing that, you know, the things that we go through, we are resilient. We're tougher than the things that we go through. Amen? Another example we see in, in Ruth. We all know the story of uh, Naomi. Ruth and Naomi. Ruth. Ruth married Naomi's um, son, who later passed, up, passed away. She had the opportunity. She could have left at that time and gone on to remarry. But no. Ruth said, Ruth, Ruth had seen something in Naomi and said, no. Please don't send me away. Let me stay with you. Your people will be my people. Where you die, I shall also die. And because of that which she had seen, that godly example that she had seen, she went on to become part, part of a great lineage, the lineage of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? So what are some practical tools? Some practical tools that we can use for building strong families. And then we'll, we'll pray about this. And, I mean, we'll talk. Practical tools. Strong families 
express commitment to each other by making time. Making time with family members a clear priority. See, in the environment that we live in, we live in a very busy world. We are so busy. Mother's gone this way. Father's gone that way. The children have gone off to school and what have you. But there's so much. We have to make a commitment to one another by making time. Making time with family members a clear priority. In other words, prioritize it. Be intentional about it. Amen? Second thing is willingly and consciously spend time, family time together, and enjoy working, not just working, but also playing together. In the, the culture that I grew up in, we spend time working together, not so much time playing together. You know, um, when daddy came in, it was business, you know, so. But what we're talking about is spending time to work together as well as play together. Take the time, make the time out to relax as a family. Take the time to, to do things, fun things together. You know, if what they like is, um, you know, the ballet, get, become a part of it. You know, I've seen, I've seen some men wear, um, what are those skirts that they wear? The, the two, 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 you know, be a part of it. Become a part of it. Whatever it is that they like, be a part of it. Play together with each other. Amen? Another thing they do is communication is the lifeblood. Communication is the lifeblood of really of all relationships, but more importantly, of family relationship. Amen? So, communication involves listening to each other, trying to understand, and being respectful of feelings and making a clear effort to explore whatever concerns anyone in the family may bring to the table. Um, somebody mentioned something on, on Sunday, and I did not get a chance to really talk about it. Um, and what they said, it was sent through, uh, the, was sent through the, the online uh, message that we as a church should take time to speak to our youth. I did not get a chance to talk about it, but, you know, the young people really look for us to talk to them. You know, some of them think maybe we're too old and we've forgotten what it was like to be young, but that's not true. But, <laughs> but the truth is, let's talk to them. Let's I engage them. It begins, first of all, at home, but at, then, at the same time, for those of, them, those of them that we see at church, engage them. Talk with them. Find out what's going on with them. You know, you, they, you may not be able to get all of the full details, but find out about school. Ask them how it's going. Ask them what's going on. At least get to know what grade they're in. The fact that somebody talks to them, listens to them, and gives an opportunity for them to express themselves 
it builds communication. And that's something that strong families do together. Amen? Strong families are attentive to meeting the basic needs of the family, such as financial stability, as well as the health of members and maintenance of the home environment. Amen? These are things that God does for us, but these are things God models it for us because He provides for all of our needs. But in a strong family, we also need to do this. Amen? And then, of course, strong families develop shared spiritual and moral values that give them a common purpose and a common direction. Amen? So just like any other family, all of us will be identified as being in God's family, which is a spiritual family, that have a sense of common identity and a common purpose. Amen? So those are some of the things that I saw as things that we could do in order to build strong families. Amen? So, any thoughts, any questions, any comments? What are some of the things that you've observed? How can we strengthen the family? Knowing full well that the enemy is out looking to destroy the fabric of, uh, of God's kingdom, which is the family. Looking to break that. What are some of the things that we can do? That we can do. Practical things that we can do. I know definitely we've got to pray. We've got to definitely commit to the to uh, commit them and lead them in the study of the word. But what are some of the practical things that we can do? Thoughts, ideas. Say that again. She said, "Listen." Yep, listen. Mm-hmm. That's good. Listen as much as possible. That's very good. Reaching out. Reaching out. To reaching out to the brethren. That's how we can reaching out to the brethren. Very good. Say that again. Communicating. Communicating. See, communicating is 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 big. Communicating is big because when you communicate, you open up the lines, you 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 stifle the enemy. Because what the what the enemy does is it seeks to put Seeds of distrust. Seeds of doubt. But when you communicate, you kill that. Amen. That's good. Dr. K. Um, on communication, so uh, let me give you an example. And you mentioned something about we ought to engage the youth more. Yes. It is so, so real because you never know um, what God is doing through them. We never know how many Bill Gates we can have amongst us. Amen. So I give you an example of a certain young man. I was just talking to him, and I said, uh, so now you've graduated college. What are you doing? He goes, um, I'm working at a restaurant uh, in Marlow, Georgia area. What's your major? He told me. He did some real heavy computer thing mm. with gaming. I said, you did gaming science, and you're working at a restaurant? You're wasting your life. Have you ever thought of maybe inventing a game? You, you guys play games all day long, all night long. Why don't you do something? 
He goes, well, I thought about it. I tried to get jobs, and they tell me my major is too broad. So I'm like, well, you can do something for yourself. He goes, well, I've been thinking about it, but it's going to take him about maybe four or five years to get a product out because there are so many different components, mm -hmm. the audio, the music, the graphics, mm -hmm. and he can't do it all by himself. I said, do you know that there are some other youth in this body that can code, that can write programming languages for you? I know, and I mentioned some names for him. It's like, wow. So, I mean, if I didn't engage him, then he won't, he won't get that. So these kids need mentorship. Amen. And you can't mentor from afar. You gotta connect and engage them. Amen, amen. That is so key. Mentoring, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a contact spot, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> you know, just like we say football is a contact spot. You know, mentoring is a contact sport. So it begins first with that initial contact you know, really opening up and talking to them. You know, you could have seen that young man and just said, hello, and kept going. But you engaged him. You started talking to him. You opened his eyes to some of the other things that he wasn't even looking at. I bet you that young man, if he finds two or three more that are into coding or what have you, they could develop a, a product and sell it to Apple one of these days, you know? And, you know, we stand here looking for money, but <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. I would say um, loving, loving on one another. Love is an action word, so we have to ah, not be good. so standoffish and closed and show young people how to love and get out of the electronics and just be human. Amen, amen. Love is an action, action verb. It's an action verb. You have to do something. You have to do something. Yes. Engage them. That's what love is. Love, that's who God is. See, God, because he loved us so much, he gave his only begotten son. He did something. So we, I mean, we can't just, oh, I love you. But you, oh, you're over here. Oh, I love you. You know, but... No, it's, it's a contact thing. Yes. Being willing to be transparent and humble ah. enough to admit when you're wrong, even to young people or your Amen. children. There are times that I've gotten things wrong and I've had to go back to my children and say, I'm so sorry, I apologize. I got the information wrong and I shouldn't have gone off. You know, just being willing to be transparent. And I think secondly, if you, modeling, if you're trying to tell them, clean up your room, your room is untidy but your room is also untidy and needs to be cleaned up. You're not really modeling anything to Amen. them. What I've done is, and I've told them, I, I said, look, my room is tidy, it might not be perfect, but at least let it be tidy. And sometimes they're so overwhelmed, I said, okay, I'm gonna help, we'll do it together, but I need oh, it to be clean. Awesome. Let me help you. That is awesome. That is awesome, that, that is so very good. You, you know, you, have, Sarah, you mentioned something there that we don't do often. You said willingness to admit when you're wrong. Willingness to admit when you're wrong. See, this, this thing, I'm trying to say this the right way. Um, <laughs> there's so many of us that are from... <laughs> we're from a dispensation that is 
a little bit different, you know. And what we don't do is we don't recognize that even some of the, our young people are people. They are wise. God has put wisdom into them. There's a measure of a spirit that he has put into them. Now, there are times where as parents, sometimes we don't get all the information. Yours truly, you know, we don't get all the information. And based on that, we may go off a tangent and just like, boom. But when the information comes back and we get all the information, it takes a man, a woman, to go back and say, honey, I'm sorry. I missed it. I did not get all of it. I am so sorry. I shouldn't have reacted the way I reacted. See, for that young person, your value with them will grow, I mean, way high. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I have to say this, Many of us don't do that. Many of us don't. It's like, I don't know if you take something off of us for, for saying, hey, man, I missed it. I'm sorry. You know, it's like it makes me less of a parent. No. No. So that, that is such a key thing that you said. The willingness to admit when you're wrong. Because for these young ones, they look up to us. You know, uh, and, and you mentioned another good one, modeling. You know, we model what we want to see. Amen? We model it. That's how you mentor. You know, you can't just say, you know, that's, go do this because I said so. No, time out for that. You know, amen. Any other? Okay. Yes. One more. All right. <laughs> Give us. He, he, God gives us gifts and we don't share them. Like, I work with a lot of young ladies, I work with young people, and sometimes they start to talk and sometimes they just need somebody to hear them out. Uh, example, a young lady was trying to go to golf to college. She had no clue where to start. But just sitting down talking with her, I was able to share with her and help her get on the right path to Amen. get in school. Amen. But we have to share the, we have to share the gift Amen. that he gave us. That is so good, that is so good. See, we talked about this on Sunday. You know, each and every one of us has a gift. And that gift is not meant to sit idle. It is meant to be used to serve others. Amen? So you opened yourself up, and through that, you were able to share and help put somebody on the right track, just like Doc did with that young, young person by talking with them. See, you know, this thing called life, and the grace of God that we've gotten, you know, we need to recognize that there's a responsibility, and that's really what this is about. There's a responsibility that comes with that grace that we have received. As much as we've received that grace, it is now our responsibility to give that grace. Amen? Share it. Amen? Sister Henrietta. Or anything that we're passing through as a family, I share it with my children. Amen. And we pray alongside with the, we pray with them and believe God for the thing we are believing God for. Amen. And when the testimony comes, we share it so that they know that prayer works and Amen. the word of God works. Amen. 
Amen. That is so good. That is so good. So in other words, what you're saying is you are helping them to, be, to build their faith by seeing the power of trusting in God. So whatever you're going through, because sometimes as parents, we may be going through something or the other, but in front of our children, we put on that face like, yeah, everything's okay. Everything's all right. But we in the closet just, Lord, please, we just need your help. They need to be crying with you. Amen. That's good. You know, pastor's the one that taught me this, Pastor Bank, you know, uh, that even when you go through certain things, that you share it together as a family. Um, you know, he gave an example of where when some income comes into the family, that he brings them around. Before then, you know, the only two people that know is just myself and my wife. As long as we're paying your school fees, don't worry. <laughs> but, you know, after he shared that, I got the inclination. There was a transaction that I had. It, it really was a mind-blowing transaction. And I brought them all. I brought them all together. And I showed it to them. I shared it with them. I said, look, this is what God has done. We were trusting God. I think at that time, uh, Toby was about to go to college. Uh, our son was getting ready to go to college. And, you know, uh, so what you're saying is true. Whatever it is that you're going through, let them be a part of it. And when the testimony comes, it builds their faith. You know, we're not always going to be here. We're not always going to be here. But the key is, let us work on building strong families. All right. Lara? Uh, be respectful to everyone in your family. Uh, when I mean be respectful to everyone. So I learned this from my three-year-old. And this is the typical African parent whereby you want to call your child. You're like, Gabby, come here. Gabby, do this. Let's go. And then one day she said to me, she said, Mommy, no, don't call my name like that. I'm like, huh? Okay, so I said, okay, so how do you want me to call your name? So she taught me how to call her name. So I was like, okay. So she started responding way better. So she wants me to like, oh, when it's time to go, hey, Gabby, we're going to leave in five minutes. So I saw that a lot of behaviors that she had, it's reduced. So I was like, hmm, okay. I took that to my job because I work with kids on the spectrum. And I realized that, okay, even though most of them are nonverbal, non, they don't communicate, they have behaviors, they have this, I started respecting them in terms of, oh, so if we're transitioning from one program to another, I let them know in advance. I'm like, oh, is it okay if we do this? I give them choices. So my colleagues will come to me, hey, Miss Lara, how come those kids are responding better to you than they do to us? And I'm like, oh, you gotta respect them. And they're like, respect them? <laughs> Because I know like parents will say, oh, um, you, uh, you tell your children, oh, you have to respect your adult, you have to respect your parents all the time, but parents also need to respect their kids too as well. Amen. That is good. That is good. Respect is mutual. It is a two-way street. As you give, you will also receive. So, you know, so it's not just, um, it's not just an African thing, you know, but it's something that we need to do. You know, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, again, we just want to thank the Lord for uh, helping us to build strong, uh, strong families that will transform the global communities of this world. Uh, 
with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Let us rise up. Let us pray. Hallelujah. We've gone over our time just a little bit. Father, we just want to thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise, Father Lord. Thank you, Father, for uh, the vision that you've given us in this local expression of your body, Father Lord. We thank you. We especially thank you for using us, Father Lord, to build strong families that will transform global communities all around the world. Father Lord, we thank you, Father Lord, that you yourself, the love that you have given to us, that will be the foundation of all of the strong families that are represented in this local body and that we collectively will be a strong family to the glory of your name. Father, we just want to thank you. We bless you, Father Lord, for each of our homes. We ask for your grace to continually abide, abide with each and every one of us and abound in our homes, Father Lord, that all of the things that we have shared and talked about, Father Lord, that your grace will enable us, that your Holy Spirit will quicken us, Father Lord, that we will learn to listen, we will learn to, 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 to respect our children, to talk, Father Lord, and share openly with one another, Father Lord. We thank you, Father. We give you the glory, the praise, the honor belongs to you, Father Lord. As we go tonight, Father, we ask that you go with us. We ask that you give us a good night's rest, Father Lord, that the rest of the week, Father Lord, will be a glorious one to the glory of your name. We honor you. We bless you, Father, as we pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.